family Bishop Swan back in the house with you I was with you this morning and now I got I had to come back and hang out with you again um, this evening because we got we got some stuff to talk about fam you know some stuff happening in our city um, and I've got some special people uh, that are going to be joining the conversation with me tonight this is the round table after the round table. And what I need y'all to do real quick, I need y'all to share this, uh, start a watch party, uh, share it with your followers, you know, any and everybody, tell them Bishop is on the air. He's got some very special guests, um, some of our elected officials and community leaders um, that are going to talk about uh, this, um, well, I, I guess I just got to be as blunt as I can be. This farce of a of a roundtable town hall uh, that the mayor had uh, on today. And so let me let me let me just pull up my guests. Um, I got the president of the Springfield City Council with me today, Mr. Justin Hurst. President Hurst, how you feeling, man? What's going on, Bishop? How are you, sir? I'm doing well, doing very well. I've got I've got with me the uh, director of the uh, Pioneer Valley Project, and uh, that's the organization that the NAACP partnered with uh, when we hosted a digital town hall um, a week or so ago that the mayor and the commissioner committed to be a part of and then reneged and pulled out of at the last minute. And, and so I want you all to welcome uh, Ms. Tara Parrish. Tara, how you feeling? Well, I am so excited to have this conversation with you all. There's a lot to talk about tonight. Absolutely. Uh, he is our Ward 1 uh, city councilor, um, working hard for the people. Uh, you know him. Uh, city councilor Adam Gomez. Welcome, Councilor Gomez. All right, all right, all right. And uh, also brand new city councilor, but no stranger uh, to the community here. Um, he is city councilor Victor Davila. How you feeling, man? Bishop. Good afternoon, Bishop. I'm doing well. Excited to be here. I look forward to having a, a real roundtable discussion. Yeah, well, that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, a real roundtable uh, conversation. Now, what I also want to do, let me do this real quick because I, I, I think I want to make sure that our people have uh, an opportunity, not just through um, um, the live stream, and I'm gonna be checking out uh, the comments on the live stream, but also want you to be able to call in. So we're gonna, we're gonna try to do what we can do in terms of uh, opening up the phone lines like we do on our regular Monday morning um, broadcast. Uh, so 413-337-1867, uh, we're going to try to make that happen as well, uh, and we'll get that number up on the screen. So let me just go around first, and, and you all kind of give me some opening comments in terms of uh, you all decided you were not going to be a part of 
um, this roundtable discussion today. And after <laughs> after what was witnessed, um, I, I'd, I'd have to say you guys are pretty smart um, in making that decision. But just tell us exactly why uh, you did not want to be a part of it uh, and what and what you expected instead of that. And we'll start with you, uh, Counselor Hurst. Absolutely. And I appreciate uh, you, Bishop, for giving us this this forum here this evening. Mine was quite simple. I, I just and I apologize. I'm, I've got a motion sensor light. So if I if you see my hand going up every now and then, that's to keep the light going. Uh, no, but I, my, my issue was very simple. I wanted action. And oftentimes we have meeting after meeting after meeting and then nothing ultimately comes as a result. On top of that, I felt like the mayor could act unilaterally on some issues pertaining to the city of Springfield. If you look at Marty Walsh, and I know you and I have had this conversation, uh, he wants Boston to be a national uh, leader when it comes to combating uh, racism in the city of Boston. And I say, why not Springfield? Uh, Marty Walsh has declared uh, Boston, um, has declared racism a national health crisis. Why not Springfield? He's decided to take 20% of the overtime budget normally devoted for police officers in Boston um, and in turn spend, it, uh, spend that money on social service programs. Why not Springfield? So, uh, and then, you know, I know we're going to get into the five officers who are the police force, so I won't go too in-depth with that, but that's an easy solution uh, in terms of resuspending those individual officers until their cases are adjudicated, all of which could have been done unilaterally without a meeting. And so before we sit down and have any sort of roundtable discussion, I want to see action from our leader in the city of Springfield. Absolutely. Tara. So, you know, I, I think a lot of folks have said it. I think you said it earlier, Bishop, maybe earlier last week. But, you know, this is a time for substantive action. And so, you know, I think when the NAACP and, and Pioneer Valley Project made a decision that we were going to hold the digital town hall, it was because our members want to see systemic change. And so... Um, you know, our experience with the mayor, um, not just in this particular case, but in several different cases, has been that when there's time to have substantive discussion and talk about substantive solutions, um, we just can't seem to find our mayor in those conversations. I mean, look, this is complex stuff. This is stuff that gets to the core of, you know, it hits a nerve with a lot of people in our community. And so, you know, part of the reason why I felt like it wasn't a good use of time is because my sense of the way that this was handled was that this was really going to be about how do we control the narrative? You know, how does the mayor control the narrative? How does it give an appearance that there is some listening to the community? But when whenever there's a real opportunity to listen to the community, we just can't seem to find this mayor. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Councilor Gomez. Thank you, Bishop. Um, can you hear me? Yes, sir. I make sure I'm, I want to make sure I'm on mute. Um, so regarding uh, the invitation to the upcoming, uh, the, the round table on race and, and policing, uh, which Councilor Hurst Davila 
Brown and myself respectfully declined. Uh, the constituents know that we're always there and to meet, to discuss the needs of the community. Uh, but while I appreciate the, the mayor's uh, overtures for open and, and, and honest dialogue, forgive me for doubting it, uh, this sincerity, I, I, I doubt his sincerity because of five years on the city council, uh, me fighting for, for different things. He has strategically uh, not wanted to, uh, well, he has declined to meet with me and, and a lot of uh, organizations that's wanting to to work with him. Uh, I doubt his sincerity because of, because uh, uh, none of us were consulting and planning in the meeting and sending up, setting up the, the agenda, the format, and, and deciding whose voices he's gonna hear, right? And, and I doubt his sincerity because just recently, the mayor committed to attending an NAACP and PVP hosted town hall on the police accountability and only suddenly he canceled without explanation citing a last minute conflict. I doubt his sincerity because instead of meeting with hundreds of constituents for an open and transparent uh, discussion that I, I was able to be take part in, the mayor has chosen to hold his own round table, lit to the public officials, of his choosing, the, the shutting out of community voices leads me to believe that, according to the mayor, some voices just doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I have fought on behalf of marginalized communities for over a decade. I simply do not feel uh, obligated to attend an event to promote unity under that sort of an umbrella. Just because all of a sudden he feels that the, the, the pressure to respond to the civil unrest all without real reassurance that real discussions will take place or that anything substantive uh, will, will, will come, out, come, out, come out of this. You know, I, I respectfully thank all of the community people that involved. I, I, I'm not going to lie and say that I did watch from time to time. I had some other things that I had to deal with. But I think the people of Springfield are united in calling for action. They have the right to speak and to be listened to. This is why instead of holding a, a controlled meeting with community gatekeepers um, and elected officials, it, I, I, I mean to not stifle the, the, the open discussion, but I think all of us know when we had our press conference in front of City Hall with some of the resolutions and some of these proposals as a council we uh, were related to, uh, to discuss with the media, the community there told us, how are you giving us options when you haven't heard from us and i heard them loud and clear and i in discussion with uh, councillor hurst and and a lot of my colleagues we believe the most appropriate thing to do was to open it up uh and let i know that we have a lot of uh hard uh restraints on us uh per particularly to this pandemic but when it comes to organizing the, you need to listen to the grassroots and essentially some folks uh might think that they have uh, a, a lot to to add into when, when we're not listening to everyone that's when um that good work that they did put in to to to, to put this thing together it just goes down the rabbit hole in my opinion absolutely uh counselor Devilla. uh thank you bishop uh, well uh me, my colleagues and i have pretty much said uh everything that i that i agree with and i'm pretty much in agreement with them but i do have to point out one thing bishop and that is that we live in difficult, we are living in very difficult times. We are living in very transformative times. 
and during these times, leaders have to be consequential with their actions. Uh, and if this situation, the crisis that we live in, the changes that we live on, if not handled wisely, could lead to turmoil. And for me personally, one of the reasons that I decided to turn down this invitation was that in my mind, when the mayor had the opportunity to have real, substantial dialogue, he turned it down, specifically when he turned down the NAACP and the PVP. Uh, you know, I'm sure the mayor's busy. Uh, I'm sure he had a lot of things. But I ask these questions. What was more important than addressing the current social turmoil and the social times that we live on? You know, he could have at least sent a representative to the meeting. And as far as I know, that didn't happen. So I was pretty disappointed uh, to see that, that that happened. Um, and I just felt that, uh, and again, today, uh, my understanding that that was the case. It wasn't a roundtable we're having today. It was more of a listening session. And then the answers that were given is, you know, we did that, we're doing this, we did that, we did this. That's not, I'm sorry, I disagree respectfully. That's not a roundtable. A roundtable is when you sit down, you, you listen, uh, you hear people's concern, you exchange ideas, and uh, you think that was going to happen, and by far that did not happen today. So let me let me kind of give uh, the background for those who are streaming, and and please um, um, go go ahead and share this with um, 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 with the folks that are out there. Um, uh, share it on your pages. Share it wherever you need to share it. But listen, first of all, when whenever you um, you make a commitment to participate in something, and then you have to pull out the common sense thing to do, the common courtesy thing to do, at least I thought, was to then reschedule, you know, uh, the meeting. You know, you, you don't you don't blow off a meeting that you committed to and then say, you know what, instead of uh, rescheduling that, I'll have my own. Um, and so basically what we saw there was, as Councilor DeVilla said, was an attempt to really, or, or rather Tara said, uh, to control the narrative. So what happened was the mayor had his own selected invitees. Um, our forum was open to anyone in the community who wanted to be a part of it. He selected the invitees. Um, um, he, he, he determined how long it was going to be who from his staff was going to be there. Um, they then went around and had uh, the participants ask questions that were never answered. I mean, I've never seen something so bizarre in my life where someone just asked question after question. Thank you. Thank you for your question. Next. Next question. And, and they just asked questions all night. And then at the end of it, no questions were answered. Uh, the mayor comes on and talks about uh, what a great job they're doing. We're the only ones, I understand from the DOJ, we're the only ones who do this and that. And and, and as far as uh, 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 de-escalation training, we already do that. And, you know, as you said, Councilor Davila, you know, what we already do. Um, and then the commissioner 
got up and started talking about irrelevant stuff that had nothing to do with the concerns of the community around police brutality and excessive force. She started talking about a zero tolerance for rudeness. Wait a minute. How do you have zero tolerance for rudeness when you just reinstated five police officers that I'd say were pretty rude with trying to cover up, you know, uh, a crime with, with, with the brutalization of four black men? So basically, we and then the mayor's final thing is, is, is uh, there's going to be some announcements coming out. You'll see there'll be some announcements. We'll, we'll get back at you. And basically, it was a, a session to placate the community. The whole response during this time has been nothing but window dressing to placate the community. Uh, they had a prayer vigil downtown that black clergy wanted to have. The mayor hijacked it, invited the Catholic bishop to have words and to give the closing prayer. Then the, then the Catholic bishop had his prayer vigil and didn't invite black clergy to it. I mean, a, a church full of lily white people for a prayer vigil for racial healing but the people who need healing weren't invited to it. And so he touts attending these prayer vigils as things that they're doing around race. Attending all white prayer vigils does not solve the problem of police community relations or, or of race relations uh, in the city of Springfield. Anybody feel free to jump in. No, I think that uh, you honestly uh, hit it on the head. I think that, um, Moving forward, one of the biggest things and challenges that we have uh, is trying to have real conversation on a grassroots level. You know, there's a lot of organizations, uh, I think, in the past, I think, two weeks since Memorial Day, um, you know, aside from me turning 37, on those, on, on those two weeks, I've attended a march or, or a vigil uh, somewhere in Western Massachusetts. Um, aside from, you know, uh, that, uh, people have demands, um, and regular people not associated with any organizations, regular people come show up and they say, Hey, uh, counselors, we have demands and, and we want our demands to be listened to. And I think that that's where we're at. I think that, um, regular people, aside from, you know, people that are affiliated with uh, establishment politics or established organizations or established churches, essentially we have to put in perspective that grassroots means grassroots, the regular person that has a great idea, something that maybe they could have uh, 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 brought an idea to the table and it could have been heard and, and, and that wasn't really communicated today. I, I would be lying if I didn't have the urge to listen in either, uh, Bishop. And, 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 and the times that I could, that's what I've noticed that there was a lot of questions and said, you know, humbly, thank you. We're going to get to your question. And essentially, I'm trying to think about maybe it's being recorded and they're going to go back to like an hour of streaming and, and answer every single question in detail. And hopefully they're going to uh, answer that in some illustrious form that speaks to that. But even the city of Springfield essentially has a health crisis when it comes to racism. All types of racism. And one re one thing that I, I want to lift up essentially when it comes to black lives is Afro Afro Latino black lives. And, and and around these tables, you know, our Caribbean brothers and sisters that have racism that they are discussing, 
um, are left out of this conversation as well. And, and, and that's something that I wanted to lift up. And, 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 I, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll let my, my colleagues on the forum, you know, speak a little bit to that because, you know, there's a lot of things in this conversation that we need to talk about outside of police brutality. What I've talked about before is that racial injustice within housing, the racial Justin within you know uh, the 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 economy and and the opportunities for such businesses to reach certain grants that we just seen. So you know th th this conversation is just gonna like they say with the pandemic is uh, uh, is gonna exacerbate where the holes are, and we're gonna make sure that we, we we entertain and talk about those things. All right, I think I got City Councilor Tracy Whitfield on the line. Tracy, are you are you there? Can you all hear Tracy? Yes, we can. All right, go right ahead. Tracy, how are you, colleague? My colleague, how are you? Hi, colleague. Hi, colleague. I'm glad you're having a real roundtable or a real discussion after the discussion, after the supposed roundtable that I've never been to a roundtable like that. I've never been to a roundtable where, first of all, people can't see each other. Like, why weren't we able to see who was on, um, on the screen? Every single security measure that they could put up, they did. They would they would try to act like they couldn't hear you because you was muted, but they muted us, right? They, they didn't and call the they didn't right they didn't they didn't call the national guard. <laughs> the national guard was probably somewhere around, you know. <laughs> um, and then for us to speak, had to like redirect the system some way, and then be like, okay, are you still there? Um, unmute yourself, unmute yourself. When we had to wait in the first place to unmute ourselves, we couldn't have a round table discussion because we couldn't even talk to anybody else that was up there. They did not answer one question. That was a total insult. I'm insulted that you would even invite me to something like that. That was a total insult and a waste of my time. I got off. I got off of it because you were going to take all these questions from 50, 70 some odd people and then if the conversation is over at six and you answer like three of the questions, you didn't even answer them truthfully. You just threw out some bull crap because I went back and looked at the video. You threw out some bull crap that you wanted to display to the people. And it didn't answer anything. I asked specifically about the um, personnel review committee. And is he going to change from being three white men making all the decisions? And I didn't get an answer. We had a conversation with him. Council President Hurst and I went to his office. We told him that we disagreed with that. With three white men um, approving positions and approving raises. And no one else have a say-so. And his response to me was, if you don't like it, run for mayor. Wow. Wow. He made a decision to bring it back up because if you can't even have a conversation, if someone don't agree with what the administration is doing, then you're not even listening. You're just going to do whatever you want to do, regardless of what the community and constituents want. Mm -hmm. I'm just totally and completely disgusted with that so-called roundtable. I'm insulted. And I wanted to come on the air and say it so we can say some play back whatever needs to be done with the information. That was just an insult and a waste of my time. Well, you're, you're on record now. Can I just ask the question? Why does the mayor feel compelled to hide from all of us? Why not face the people of this community? 
I, I, just Why to answer that question. Conversation. Why not yeah. have a conversation? Yeah. Like, even if you got to admit that you did something wrong and you're going to go out of your way to correct it, that's better than the silence, right? What is silence saying? Man, I've been to the point of even trying to insult him to have a conversation with him and nothing. You know, like a long time ago when he came to PVP, and, and it's not even to, to bring up sore subjects from way in the past that we've already won on. Essentially, when he came, when he stood on, you know, trying to sick uh, his Gestapo uh, uh, onto the, the South Congregation, Congregational Church. But the, the, the point of the matter and, and the fact is that, you know, uh, it, we're, none of us are anti wanting to work with, right? It, 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 yeah. And the thing is, it's a one way street, right? And, and that's what it feels like. The, the, the lane is only pointed in one direction, and every once in a while, he'll hold traffic and say, hey, you're allowed to come up this way, you know? And and I think people are starting to see that, and I, and I resonate a lot with uh, Tracy's statement, and I, I just can't I can't understand it, and why? why? Well, well, <laughs> what to, did we do to, to you? To <laughs> Tara's point, to Tara's point, you know, why hide? Why, why not engage? with the community and see what they did today wasn't engaging with the community that was a controlled environment right there um um and and remember now uh, they beat their chest and they talk about these roundtable discussions we're always interacting with the community the last roundtable discussion they had was july of 2019 it was three months after the 14 cops were indicted and and and, and the block was hot Point blank, you know, the block was hot and they figured we needed to do something. And so they had a round table in July of 2019. So for almost a year, you haven't had a conversation with the community. So why are you pretending like, you know, that's the MO of your administration when it's anything but that? Councilor Hurt. You know, go ahead, Councilor Davila. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll thank you. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, Bishop, I just want to point out that uh, I have noticed that uh, City Hall tends to be pretty reactive as opposed to proactive. So what you're saying makes total sense to me. And if one thing, Bishop, that these current crises, whether it's the coronavirus or the police brutality crisis, have exposed in, this, in our society is the deep inequalities, the deep structural injustices that we are, uh, uh, undergo here in the United States. I still remember the first time as a Latino man, specifically, Bishop, as a Puerto Rican man, the first time that I was discriminated against based upon my race uh, for being Latino. And that felt pretty crappy, to be honest with you. And I remember, I will never forget, I was 16 years old. That was awful. I still remember to this day. So I do believe that, listen, I'll, I'm willing to work with the mayor if we are going to have the deep discussions. And you know how the discussions are good? When you know that when you know that it hurts, that you have to look as to what's going on because what we have now, the system that we have now, is not working. And so I, I, I do think that um, you know, I was pretty happy to be honest with you, to see the mayor when he marched on the Black Lives Matter, the first one that we had three thousand people. Uh, he marched about half the way. I was right next to him. I was myself and Councillor Williams. And I was saying to myself, good, this is, you know, we're going to have some, some, uh, some change, I mean, some, some discussion here. Then this happened. And I have to get this off my chest, Bishop. Uh -huh. you, you kind of alluded to Nathan Bills. 
What's that now? I have to get this off my chest. Uh-huh. It's really been eating me for about two weeks now. All right. I I fully respect people's right to protest peacefully. I fully respect and I expect people to give me their opinions. We don't have to agree with it, but I will listen to it. I am glad that Springfield proved not once, not twice, but at least five times that we can protest peacefully in the city of Springfield. I do have to say that I took objection. I do understand the need to prepare, and I think logistically done well. But I do have two issues. One, the National Guard. Mm. Although I understand the National Guard being present, Bishop, somebody has got to explain to me why we need the National Guard with rifles in our city, patrolling or looking like they're ready to go to war. I could see the sidearm, I could see shields, but not a military rifle. Somebody really has to explain that to me because to be honest with you, I, I find it offensive and, and that really bothers me and still bothers me a lot. Another issue that bothered me, Bishop, was on the Nathanville's protest that I could see if we shook people, if people were concerned, if they were shaking, I get it. I understand. It was a symbolic act, which I think also speaks to to the state and the current situation that we have here with our police department. However, the use of the Facebook account for the Springfield Police Department to specifically highlight and imply that the protest could have been, was not going to be peaceful. Mm. And to specifically highlight both of my colleagues, President, uh, Council President Harris and uh, City Councilor uh, Tracy Whitfield, I felt that it was inappropriate use of city resources. Yeah. And it borderline the First Amendment right to its freedom of expression. I had to get that off my chest, Bishop. It was incendiary. It was inflammatory. It was incendiary. It was inflammatory. Um, It was disrespectful. Um, Not just to Counselor Hearst and Counselor Whitfield, uh, uh, to Tara and the Pioneer Valley Project, to myself and the NAACP. Uh, I've been leading protests in this region for 30 years, and uh, I, I, I challenge the mayor to find any social action I've been involved with that has become violent uh, in any way, shape, or form. So to, to even make the suggestion that something we all collaborated on was somehow going to turn violent um, was, was, was absolutely insulting. And then at the same time, uh, he gets insulted when I say that all of the elements that existed in Ferguson when Mike Brown was killed and that city went up in flames, all of the elements that existed in Baltimore when Freddie Gray was killed and that city went up, that existed in Staten Island when Eric Garner was killed and that city went up, everything that existed in Minneapolis um, um, uh, when George Floyd was killed and the nation went up exists in Springfield. So the potential for civil unrest happening here is very real. He takes offense to that, even though what I'm saying is based on facts and empirical evidence. Councilor Hurst. I, I just would say that this is not a political issue. 
And I think he he oftentimes is blind to that. It's not a political issue. This right here for many people that I talk to and for me myself, this is personal. The idea that um, that what happened in Minneapolis can't happen right here. I mean, we were one stomp away from it happening right there in Nathan Bills. I mean, we were one uh, person who got a little too fearful. If there weren't 14, then it might have been the next. It might have been the, the, the Minneapolis before Minneapolis. So, uh, you know, it, it's disappointing. It's frustrating. To your point, Victor, the post was absolutely disgusting. The idea that we would invoke fear in the residents of Springfield uh, is absolutely, um, you know, it's a disservice. And it's something that 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 we can't allow uh, and that we can't stand for as a community. And um, Councilor Whitfield, I wish I could tell you that I that, that I didn't tell you I told you so. Um, but I knew the conversation. <laughs> I knew the con- I knew exactly how the conversation today was going to play out because it's because the mayor is treating it as a political issue, and it's not a political issue. What the mayor needs to do is reach inward and say, you know what, I need to have a mayor Copa and say, you know, I, I I might need some help addressing this issue, and it might need to be addressed by folks that are not inside uh, uh, city hall, that are not inside my administration. I might just need to reach out and say, hey, Bishop. Is there something that I might be able to do? Is there something I'm missing here? How can I get better? And until you have that sort of self-reflection, nothing is going to change with the exception of the fact that you might not be in the mayor's seat in another three years. I'm just, I mean, I'm just being honest with you. People are tired. They're screaming out. Um, they're exhausted. They're saying that they can't breathe. And either the mayor's going to take heed or he's not going to be the mayor for a long time. Can we, can we just, I mean, I'm, I go back to another let me do this, uh, Councillor Whitfield. I just wanted to say my last <laughs> comment, so I don't tie up the line because I'm pretty sure. Councillor, I, I, I just sent you a link. You can join us. Oh. <laughs> yeah, come on and join us, and, and you'll free up the All line right. for other folks. All right, go ahead, Tara. No, no, I, I just, I go back to, you know, the issue of, you know. When when do we start to really call out the fact that, you know, this mayor is speaking to a particular demographic of people? I mean, I think it's really interesting that the the protest that took place at Nathan Bills resulted in, you know, the staging of several National Guard vehicles and the installation of uh, a camera. on a building the day before and boarding up buildings. And I think, you know, I think part of what this moment, I think, really crystallizes is that I think that this city and this city's leadership, you know, in the the mayor's case, he he believes that he if he continues speaking to those who he needs to remain in contact with, even at the expense of a lot of other folks in the city that he can he can continue to dominate the narrative, and so I think a very clear message was sent. I think there was very clear communication to to folks that he feels like he needs to always communicate with, and and he told a story about a lot of Springfield residents about what he expected from a lot of Springfield residents, which is really really disturbing. Let me just let me just say a quick. You let, me, let me just add to that quick. Demographic. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say we had it. 
There is no doubt that we had it in Ward 7. There's no doubt that we had it in one of the highest voting precincts that oftentimes dictate elections in the city of Springfield. That is why I was so, I was so enormously proud that my colleagues uh, had the courage to come out and be present. See, because this was not about Ward 7. Um, this was about, sorry, this was about the city of Springfield. Uh, and I, when I left, um, I was getting ready to leave and we were in my car and a lady knocked on my door. She had me roll down the window. She said, I grew up on Surrey Road my entire life. And she said, I was so excited that I came out of my door and I saw my neighbors coming out of their doors to come and see the protest. She said, I just want to let you know that um, I was touched and moved by everything that people said and that she needed to look inward and she needed to do better for the students that she taught in the Springfield public school system. So I don't believe whatever narrative folks are trying to create, I just don't think it's there at yeah. the moment right now. I think he's preaching to a choir that, um, that is no longer singing. Uh, so I, I, I'll leave it at that. But Or they're, sing, or they're singing out of tune. I've, I've got the, uh, I've got the uh, executive director of Arise for Social Justice who did not get an invitation to the mayor's round table. Uh, good evening, Tanisha Arena. Hello, hello, hello. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Okay, good. So, um, I've been driving back and listening to this conversation, and one of the biggest things that stands out to me as the ED of Arise is the importance of the Springfield community registering to vote and then going to vote. Right. The mayor has shown time and time again this bad behavior, but it's like, well, who's going to check me? Why does he do what he does? Because nobody shows up to vote him out. If you're displeased with his behavior, take your political power and fire him. That's what we need to do. Because his base is the, the people that want the National Guard, that want to board up Nathan Bills and do what they do because those are the people that show up and vote for him and keep him in power. Mm. So, when people are sick and tired of being sick and tired, register to vote, and then go vote. Take your mama, take your cousin, take your grandmama, take your babies if they can see. If you need help doing that, coming to a ride, social distancing, all that. But ultimately, if he's saying, this is how I think that Springfield will behave, it's the Springfield that he's not interested in representing. Because... Who shows up? Who shows up at the polls? That's a, that, 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 I mean, that, 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 that's an excellent point. And, um, uh, excellent point. If if we consistently have less than ten percent of our population showing up to the polls, and those folks in Ward Six and Seven that, as Tara noted, he's preaching to, you know, in his not so subtle way. I, I don't think it's a dog whistle. I think it's a bullhorn. Um, um, then, then, then what we have is frustrated population uh, of, of of black and brown people, um, and a population that continues to to put him in office. Right. I think, I think, Bishop. No, um, no, no. Um, go ahead. No, we don't. No, know. I, I just wanted to agree with her. So, why did he have to have any kind of other brown people? Like, I mean, it, it's human psychology. Like, why do I have to really give answers or be held accountable when the people who put me in office, they don't care about this. 
Mm-hmm. And I honestly think it's time we start having these real conversations and not sugarcoat what is happening. This base isn't us. And we don't show up to vote. That's why he's still the mayor. So if we don't want to keep going through this, when it's his time, the next go round, vote him out. I don't know if Dana is watching this, but she always says elections have consequences, and that is the truth. So if you want something different, then you have to show up different. It is time to take all this anger and frustration and sadness and the pain of watching, you know, the police put a knee on somebody's neck and do what we have to do. Because elected officials work for us, the people. Yeah. Thank and if you. we can take anything from the Karens, I'm like, listen, I'm Karen Equal right now. I want to see your manager. I'm going to have you fired because you're not doing what I need you to be doing. That's the level we need to be at. Yep, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. So I'm going to be my oh, I'm going to do my senses. I'm handling my business because we're not going to keep doing this. That's where we need to be. All right. You gave us a lot to think about. Appreciate your call, Karen Equal. <laughs> That's right, Karen Equal. Yeah, uh, Bishop, I just wanted to just take care and drive safe. Bishop, I just wanted to add in a little right. bit. Go ahead. Yeah, Bishop, I just wanted to add in. That's one of those things that uh, I remember marching with you when we were doing Justice or Else, right? In 2015, mm-hmm. right before I got elected, you know, ran an 80-day campaign. And, and, and before that, you know, I know you, you and Dad worked on ward representation, and that's something that we have to look towards ourselves, right? In our own communities, in our in our faith bases, and and our organization bases, that we don't take the time to strategically canvas anymore. You know, the last time the great organizations that canvas are organizations that have agendas that put pressure on some of us elected officials, like the unions, and you know, uh, rather. But one thing that we have to understand as well is when we tell people they have to go out to vote, we have to also illustrate and tell them not only the mayor, but other folks that are not, that have been remained complicit, that do not hold him accountable when it comes time to hold those accountable. So essentially, you know, and it's not that I have any file for any of my, my, my fellow colleagues in higher office, but essentially it comes to a time that why is it always the city council, right? Why is it always the city council that needs to stand up for justice? I understand that they, they do what they have to do for justice in Boston, but sometimes what's going on here in Springfield is important as well. And then essentially what ends up happening, we end up holding the bag. We're the ones that get smeared online. We're the ones that have to deal with uh, uh, the right because in, in, in government, right, um, if it's not a state election like this year, it's nonpartisan. And one thing is that historically, the city council is Democrat. So the, the issue is when we look in towards this, these numbers, the numbers that we play with, we're never looking at that on the right side. There's also Republican uh, uh, individuals that are voting as well. So sometimes we have to look at and do a, a great power analysis, essentially when it comes to all the wards, and we have to understand who are Democrat voters, who are independent voters that that are highly uh, big, uh, a big number of folks that we don't, we, we don't really organize with. And then we really need to understand what the, us, uh, other important elections, like the neighborhood board. There's 17 local elections that didn't happen, right? That didn't happen in May. So the neighborhoods never got to elect new neighborhood board members. 
So those are the things that we have to look at and start educating that there's levels of uh, of this bureaucracy and things that we can do to to apply pressure and maybe and just maybe we can start uh turning around some of these the these tables essentially when it comes to elections and it has nothing to do with 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 what's going on with me it's in general we have to understand that the school committee has elections when it comes to our educational system and when it comes to pieces of policy that they all just ride with them on a regular basis we need to talk about it then versus the fact we need to use our state delegation and say hey listen we understand that you're in Boston doing some things, but where do you stand on this certain uh, certain point? And I have a great relationship with my state rep, and I think people need to understand that not only the city council, but you have state reps, you have school committee members, you have uh, state senators, and you have uh, 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 um, uh, other individuals like uh, on a federal level that are, are, are elected officials. And if we don't if we don't own the the numbers right they they love the fact that ward one ward four and ward three don't come out the vote because essentially that's where the base is that that right now is awake but does not go out to vote they're ready to share they're ready to post they're ready to call they need help but essentially these are the demographics because in ward three we look at it we have less than 600 people that go out and vote in, in ward one we have we, we represent eighteen thousand people in each ward we have less than uh almost about a thousand to twelve hundred people that come out and vote and in ward four we have the same same dynamic so essentially like uh, what was stated by uh president hearst is that ward seven heavily ward five and ward two where folks historically have lived for the last 30 years that was when the last organization happened when our fearless uh congressman became the congressman out of uh, out of uh out of uh, uh being the mayor i i believe that's the last time when we had a great organization of people and talking to some elders they tell me down the line adam our base is dying so essentially they need to tap into places but when you you have a mayor that's willing to de veto the voter notification uh, um, ordinance that we we uh, or order that we put together as a city council uh, led by Jesse Letterman. Then you think about: Do you want people to vote or not? Like we're trying to get people out there. Yeah, and I'll stop with that. I just want to say uh, let, uh, Teresa had a good point. Let me let me. I want to ask you guys about re recommendations that the mayor is avoiding. Uh, let me get, let's get this call and then we'll get into that. Good morning. Good evening, caller. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you all so much for having this conversation. Um, one thing that I, I wanted to talk about is the election commission, you know, and where the election commission is in all this voter turnout question, right? Because we're at, it's absolutely true what everyone said, that we have a historically low voter turnout rate, and that needs to change if we want some systemic change to happen. Because as I always say, and Tanisha just said it, elections have consequences and we need to get people out to vote in every election. So is there any way that we can, of course, the election commission commissioner was placed there by the mayor, um, but we need to get the hold the election commission accountable. If we have a 10% voter turnout rate, shouldn't the election commission be penalized or something? Um, you know, there has to be a way for us to, to use that to our advantage, you know, and I've been talking about for years about figuring out why people aren't going out to vote and trying to figure out a way to get them to realize, realize how important it is to get um, out and vote in every election. That's what I needed to say. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for your call. Anybody want to tackle that? And then, then I'll go into um, trying to figure out what recommendations the mayor is avoiding. Let me tell you. Just look just, at the I, budget. Oh, I apologize. Go ahead, President right. Hurst. No, I was I, just going to say, look I, at the. 
No, you just, I, no, it's just, I look at it like this. You look at the budget and how much money he gives the commissioner to do her thing, right? And then you look at everything else and where the, 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 those other uh, big items are when it comes to that conversation that we had a march with uh, PVP about uh, defund, defunding certain uh, areas, right? And where we can reallocate them to get people to come through. And that's the problem. I don't think that the Elections Commission is given uh, good enough resources to, to, to really engage with 155,000 people. Councilor Hurst? Yeah, no, I, I think they want to do better. I think they would love to do better if there was a different administration in place. I think when folks have uh, apathy uh, when it comes to voting in elections, I think that is confirmed by what it is do in terms of trying to encourage people to get out and if we don't want to make it if we want things to to remain as they are now and remain the status quo then i would keep things just mm -hmm. as they are and people mm -hmm. who are in power oftentimes don't want to expand voting rights because what happens is that they continuously get uh get elected time and time again the other thing i will raise uh just briefly is that a good friend of mine who always comes down during elections who's also dismayed at the voter turnout he's from florida uh what he said was that his elections commissioner is actually elected and so in the event that um that she is not producing at the level or he is not producing at the level in which they want them want him or her to produce at, they are ultimately voted out and so because we have a different system here in mass as opposed to Florida, you know, it certainly makes that a bit more difficult because the election commissioner is appointed by the mayor. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, caller. You know, Bishop, Bishop, I, oh, go ahead, Tyler. Go ahead. Let's get this uh, caller. Caller, you're on the air. Hi, this is Yolanda. Um, I just, I had to say that, you know, at first I was honored to have, um, you know, to be invited to the round table you know, with the mayor until I started to see that all, for the first time in my life, I wasn't emotional, right? I waited for my turn. I waited, you know, gave everybody else that opportunity. And then when I, my question was asked, I said, okay, I think they're going to come back around and I can see my statement. I was so disappointed, so disappointed on the way that it was run. Um, and I just, I mean, I don't, I don't say that I blame Daryl, but I do blame, you know, the mayor and I blame everyone else because if we're going to have a collective conversation about what's going on in our school system with the uh, police um, and especially my son who was, you know, in the side attack and to know that my son one day wasn't coming home because he's sitting in jail at Buffalo for something he did not absolutely did not do. Um, and not receive a phone call as a parent and just to be involved in all these different things. It's too much of a conversation to have from 4.30 to 6 o'clock with over 100 people and all you're doing is answering questions. So I am fully with this here and I hope that the mayor actually sees this and is reading the comments and is actually doing something to be involved. But the voting, um, Justin had answered this he has way too much power. Appointing the police commissioner, appointing your, your the uh, voting commission, that is way too much power. Um, and there's no separation of power in the city. If I have a problem with the code enforcement person, guess who I have to go to if I have a problem with the director of code enforcement? I have to go to the mayor. If I have a problem with 
you know, anybody in the city, I have to go to the mayor, anybody be appoints. That's not right. There is no separation of power in the city, and it has to change. But we collectively have to change that. We have to step up, and we have to have a change. So with that, I am hoping that my Mr. Mayor, Justin Hurst, will eventually run, and we get a, we get a new mayor because we need to see something new. This, I am so happy for the city to see everybody stepping up and doing what they are doing to, you know, speak up. But it takes more than just speak up. It takes us to put boots on the ground, get people like Adam and everybody else elected, listen to Talbot Schwann, get involved with the NAACP. we got to collectively step up. Stop, stop the gentrification of the South End, North End, and Mason Square, and step up collectively. Thank you, Talbot Schwann, for this. This is amazing, and I'm staying on for the rest of the conversation. Okay, so so listen, what I want to do is I want to um, I want to get your uh, opinions in terms of. And uh, Councilor Whitfield told me she's backstage. Let me find her. Um, <laughs> I, I hate to leave her backstage like that. Um, but listen, uh, what are the recommendations that the mayor? Hey, there you are, Councilor. Let me get you on here. <laughs> All right, there we go. So what are the recommendations that the mayor is avoiding? We're going to take one more call and then we're going to get into this because there were some very specific things that we were going to talk to the mayor about in, in our digital town hall um, uh, about uh, some things that we thought could move the city forward in terms of police reform. Um, and, and I think that's exactly what he was avoiding. Uh, good evening, caller. You're on the air. Good evening. How you doing? Uh, my name's Chico Dusty. I'm a comedian, a local comedian from the area. Today, um, I seen a roundtable meeting. I was concerned because they discussed things that they felt was in need to be discussed instead of actually having the people interact and, um, asking us what we're affected by, what's going on with us. I believe we've kept our protests and things pretty peaceful because that's just the nature of Springfield residents. But, you mm. know, they could go a different way if, if they don't start answering our questions and, you know, letting us know what we need to know. It's a lot of stuff going on here, a lot of injustice. We have, we have police brutality. I've witnessed it firsthand myself you know, being pulled over, being scared for my life as a black man. And I don't have a criminal past. You know what I mean? I'm I'm not a troublesome citizen and I still get the same treatment as I am. So that has to change because this younger generation, we're not going to sit around and take the Martin Luther King approach, unfortunately. Absolutely. It's hurtful. It's hurtful and it's sad. And 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 it's important that you guys you 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 guys are doing exactly what you're supposed to do as our leaders. You're you're giving us the platform. You're giving us the ability to speak, and 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 this is what they should be doing. And that's why we need people Dad. like you guys in the positions of power because we know who's going to make a difference. We're experiencing the hurt because we're listening it every day. Absolutely. I appreciate your call. I'll let someone respond to that. Thanks for calling. So if someone wants to respond to that caller. And then I want you all to ask you all, what are these recommendations that we have for the police department, for the city to move it forward? Um, 
um, um, that the mayor is avoiding. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna hold off on the calls for a moment, callers. It's, the line's getting hot right now. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll start. We'll start with uh, since I kept you backstage. We'll start with you, Tracy. All right. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm jumping on. However, I am. I went to work out and I came back and I said, "Oh shoot, the real round table is happening." Let me jump on, right? And so I just wanted to say that we um have so during the last election the mayor refused to go to have community conversations but i tried to give him the benefit of the doubt maybe he's too busy right he didn't go to any of the debates the community conversations anything um during the election season when um he was running when yolanda cancel was running against him and then we asked him to come to the round table he didn't come to the round table discussion so we, there's a pattern here. There's a pattern and we got to recognize it and we got to talk about it. We did a peaceful protest and the mayor tried to defamate our character and then try to antagonize the event so that something could happen and we would ca catch the blame for it. So I think all of that is showing his own character. And then to have a round table that totally insults us. That was insulting. It was a disappointment and it was very insulting um, to do that to us, to do that to the community. And if the community don't see it, then that's an issue in itself. So we did the peaceful protest. We tried to have conversations. And like Killer Mike said, and I don't know if you guys seen him um, speak, he said it's time to plot, plan, strategize, organize, and mobilize. So we want people to vote, 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 vote. Then we have to have voter registration, let them know when it's time to vote. We need to pick our candidate. We need to pick who we want to be the next mayor or whatever other position that we want to get folks in. We need to choose those people. We need to organize them and we need to stay having these conversations. We need to mobilize together, like um, Yolanda said. It's, no, um, it's all Springfield. We're not going to divide by the community. I'm an at-large counselor, so it's every neighborhood that matters. And so if we don't keep having the conversation, I know people are like, we're tired of talking, we're tired of talking, but talking leads to action. People are like, we done protest before. I haven't done a lot of protests in my life. So I'm not going to say that we have. I have seen them on TV, but when I was there, the feeling of togetherness and oneness and just we want to make change together. And it didn't matter what the color, the race, the, the, um, none of that mattered. The heritage, the ethnicity, none of that mattered. We were all together and you could feel the unity. And so if we got to have a couple more protests to keep that unity going so that we can, um, start trusting each other and mobilize and organize. I'm willing to do that, but we can't not keep having the conversation or it's going to die down. So I applaud you, Bishop Swan for continuing the conversation. And it was great to have it right after, the real round table after whatever that other thing was called after that, because I'm not going to even call that a round table. Give, um, us, give us one of your recommendations um, to, to, to foster better police community relations. Well, you already know um, how I feel about the police commission. Um, since I didn't vote on it originally, and I always say that, but I had a change of heart. And I'm going to just put it out there why I didn't vote on it originally, because I was like, how can civilians learn the uh, rules and regulations of the police force and how can they learn the union law? But 
then I thought about it like anything can be learned. Like you don't just get into any position. Like I'm a city councilor. I didn't know. I didn't know it. Okay. But I'm learning it as I go along. So anything can be learned and there will be some training. There will be intense training actually. And we need this um, police commission because one person, especially a Brady cop, let's throw it out there, should not have the power to make the decisions that she's making because we all know, we say it over and over again, the decision to um, re-employ those five cops is wrong. Now, I, I don't want these officers to think that we're against them or um, we're, we're attacking them or targeting them because I've heard that, that that's how they feel. And it doesn't have anything to do with them. It has to do with what's right and what's justice. And it has everything to do with the decision that the police commissioner made and the mayor backed. No one should be able to do that. No one should have those powers. We try to have these. Okay, so for people that don't know, the city council voted in a police commission. It was vetoed by the mayor. The city council override the veto and and um, he will not enforce it. We can't enforce it. He has to do that and he will not. And so there's a petition on my Facebook page um, asking him, no, demanding him to enforce the law. It's like really breaking the law. Um, so I, I don't want to dominate the conversation. Another thing that they can do that I think is being done well is the training that the C3 police officers get. And most of you who know me know that I am the co-chair of the Mason Square C3. I think it's working well in the community. I think it is bringing the community together. And I think the officers really get the sense of community by going through that training and really um, being involved with the community. I, I can see the difference. I can see the relationship building. But I think all the officers need that training and need to be involved with some community <laughs> because and they need to live here. They need to live here because you're you're less likely to beat up your neighbor or your neighbor's son or um, your friend's grand um, your friend's grandson or your friend's child if you live in the community. So residency is something that I know the counselors on here has been pushing for a long time. That's another thing that hasn't happened. So I'm going to just um, turn it over to my colleagues and see if they have <laughs> more to All say. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bishop, thank you, sir. If I may, just, uh, I got two recommendations. Uh, okay. One, uh, just to kind of uh, uh, address the point of voting participation, which uh, one of the callers addressed a while back. Um, Listen, I think the last percentage was like 11% or 9% of the last election. And the city is changing. You know how I know the city is changing, Bishop? I got elected. I did a little work. I worked hard, but I got elected. And, you know, if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss the boat. You're going to miss the train. So the city is definitely changing. Now, the question is, how do we increase voter participation? That's a million-dollar question. I think there's deep structural reasons for that. Let us not forget also that, unfortunately, the, uh, here in Springfield, we have several DOJ investigations on the election system. I do believe that our election uh, commissions, uh, commissioners are doing the best they can with the limited resources they have. But something that is going to cost us absolutely nothing that we can do with the aim of increasing voter participation is to bring back that uh, kids' ball program, which was so successful years ago, and I have no understanding why they never got it away in the first place. So 
basically what we're doing with two things. We are we're educating the kids who are the future voters and the future leaders of our city. And also, hopefully, it will inspire the parents to go vote as well. I just wanted to say that to, to the to the caller that called in before. Uh, and I, 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 you know, this is one of those times that, you know, um, we, even though we are a majority minority city, we still don't have real I think we lost him. Did uh, we lose him? I, I thought it. I, I thought it was me. Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was. Okay, you hear me? Okay. <laughs> there we are. Right. There we go. <laughs> Here we go. He's coming back in. I thought that was a sign. Anyways. Uh, All right, you're back. <laughs> so, Bishop, you're back. One thing, one thing that I, yeah, I'm back. One thing that I do feel uh, that we could do, uh, and I maybe I just want to bring this up now, just in case. Uh, and I mentioned it to uh, uh, Council President Hurst before, uh, as a recommendation is that we as a community, that we do a, a community police report as to how we as a community see the police department, what's working, what is not working, and listen, maybe we can expand it to other parts of city government. How is that going to be done? I don't know. I think there's smarter people than me to do that. But I think that, you know, it's time for us to be very specific uh, and, 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 and come up and say to the powers to be, this is where we are, this is what we're working, and this is what we need to do. And that, Bishop, is a real change maker, and that's a real round table. Right. Can, I, can, I hop, can I hop in here real quick? Because I want to I want to um, comment on what I'm seeing from the Facebook comments that are coming up on the screen. And yeah, there's a question yeah. I just put up there about chokeholds. Y'all can answer that whenever you get a chance. Go ahead, Tara. Yeah. So, I, you know, a couple things. One that one thing that we heard after the digital town hall was that people learned so much about how things work in Springfield just by being part of that, just by being on the digital town hall. I think that's one thing that, you know, we, we really have an opportunity to take the time to really make sure that folks in the community have a clear sense of how we can make impact this change. The other thing is, I mean, I, I don't want us to underestimate how important voting is, but I also don't want us to get caught up thinking that, okay, now we have to look ahead at the next election because that's the only way that we can make change. I mean, I think that part of what the takeaway from, you know, roundtables, in quotes, like the one that took place earlier today, is that, you know, this uh, status quo in the city, the mayor and, and all of the others that are around and have been appointed by him, none of that is going to change because it doesn't have to. But when it becomes too much, when there is so much public pressure, so much grassroots pressure that it's clear that it's not in the interest of the status quo to remain, then something can happen. So I just want to make sure that we're not focused solely on what do we need to prepare for for the next election cycle, but also, you know, what are we willing to do now to educate ourselves, uh, to, to join with others who are really doing the work? Um, in the community 
to start something with people that you know, um, because we can do it now. We don't have to wait. Um, we can change. We can change what what leadership looks like in Springfield in the next election cycle. But we can also do a lot. We can do all of the things that we talked about. You know, when we're talking about police accountability, we can make it so uncomfortable that they have to react. Um, you know, we just have to get more organized. We just have to have an analysis. We just have to understand how change happens, and and we can do it. Tara, give me a recommendation um, in terms of, you know, um, we in Pioneer Valley Project had certain recommendations uh, we were going to present to the mayor at our town hall. Uh, what are one or two of those recommendations? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, we can't we can't just have cops that are indicted on the payroll. I mean, talk about something that does not do anything to build trust in the community. That's just unacceptable. And again, this isn't about them personally. It's about you got to let the justice system work its way through. And until then, we have an expectation that folks not be on the payroll who were indicted. I think that's pretty basic. You know, another thing that that our organization is talking about that we've been talking about related to police accountability is, you know, the over policing of students in Springfield Public Schools. And what that means in terms of contributing to the school to prison pipeline. And, and what are the real needs of Springfield students? Are they really safer with cops roaming the hallways? Is that $1.3 million that's gonna, that's being projected for next, uh, superintendent's budget for Springfield Public Schools? Is that the best way to spend that kind of money? Is that the best way to keep our students safe? Or could it be invested in, in strategic, places that are going to actually help keep our students and our staff safe in school buildings. All right. Uh, Counselor Gomez. Recommendation. Uh, one of my first recommendations is uh, the mayor needs to step up and, and, and needs to claim it that racism is a public health crisis. And it, it, and it goes uh, it, and it goes far near and not wait, not wait another minute. I urge the mayor to state and to urge our public health officials to issue the statement that racism, all types of racism, are is a public health crisis. And, and, and next, uh, we need a police commission, and we need it now. Um, since I've been elected onto the city council. Uh, I've pushed on it. I've supported it. I voted for the override veto. My mother was a police commissioner, and I knew on the volunteering end, on the volunteerism end, how much work she put in, and how much faith she instilled back into making those decisions when we did have a, uh, we're holding officers accountable. And um, what, uh, what Yolanda had stated was important to the conversation that you know in some instances what we have to look at is a charter change people think that the mayor has too much power mm. then there has to be a charter change and that's one thing that we don't talk about the different levels and the parts of politics we are a strong mayor of government when people talk about democratic socialism when you when you get people that vote you create a democratic dictatorship and that's what we're going there right now Wow. Charter change. I haven't heard that one in a long time, um, but that's something definitely to be considered. Counselor Hurst, uh, what are what are your recommendations? What is it that the mayor is not trying to hear? 
I, I think he needs to start off by listening. I, I think he probably it would behoove him to at least have somebody from his team listening to this roundtable right now. And until he actually has a pulse on what's happening in the community and understands the needs of the community and is truly, truly going to do some self-reflection, uh, he's not going to move the needle. And I think at this point in time, folks are tired. Uh, folks want something different. And, you know, I think his best bet would be not only just listen to what the community is saying in terms of the fact that they're frustrated, but reach out to the folks that are actually um, trying to move the needle in government. And I would highlight the fact that my, my our council is amazing in terms of the work that they're doing day in and day out, considering that they, they don't necessarily have the partnership with the administration it is is just far and above, I'd imagine, what many councils are doing uh, right now because they just don't have that relationship. And when you look at Mayor Marty Walsh, yes, he, he's he's probably scared that somebody is going to challenge him each and every time that he has a reelection. Uh, one thing that I that I will point out is that while he declared it and and to your point, Councilor Gomez, uh, you were the first one that talked about uh, declaring uh, racism a public health crisis. But when you look at the, the city council in Boston, that's not enough for them. Like we're looking at it here in Springfield, like at least do that, man. Um, you know, at least take some of the steps that Marty Walsh is, is, is taking. Uh, but their city council is looking at Mayor Marty Walsh and saying, we need you to do more. Uh, so we, we, we certainly um, we want him to do some of the things that I think he can do unilaterally. Uh, but on top of that, just follow the lead of the council. Uh, we were at the forefront of residency. And so now uh, every one of our um, police officers, uh, as of this year, uh, has to live in the city of Springfield for the next 10 years. Uh, we fought tooth and nail over that. Um, in addition, facial recognition. Uh, many of you might remember, uh, but the mayor was adamantly against uh, facial recognition. Um, and then at the, you know, at the 11th hour, when the court of public opinion wasn't going his way, uh, he decided to support it. Uh, in addition to that, um, we've had a police commission on the books for a long time. Just enforce it. Uh, and at the very least, if you're not going to enforce it, give us an attorney. Uh, who is going to represent the views of the council and not the views of the mayor uh, and allow us to see uh, whether what it is that we put on the books is indeed valid law, which as a non-practicing attorney, I think it is. So I think there are a number of steps that can be taken. I think the first is to really get a post to the community. And then the second is to reach out to the counselors who, in my opinion, have been doing uh, the grunt work uh, without necessarily receiving the credit. And they've been battling it against you know, a system that is designed to be against them, considering that we're in a strong A or a strong mayor form of government. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I believe wholeheartedly and agree with with, with everything you all said. Um, I believe we need true civilian review. Um, the mayor consistently talks about we have a complaint review board. And then he talks about the people that serve on it, because there are some people on there who we respect and 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 we love and and of course he pulls C Jackson out all of the time and 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 we all know C and we love C, uh, but but as much as we love C, uh, the complaint review board is a joke. It's a paper tiger. It's it's window dressing. Um, they don't even they don't even get to review all of the complaints. Um, um, I'm sure the complaint review board 
did not recommend that Commissioner Claprude reinstate those five officers. I'm sure they had nothing to do with that. We need a true civilian review board that has independence of action, uh, that can hire, fire, discipline, make policy, uh, promote, demote, um, um, uh, and, and, and provide some leadership within the police department um, that is independent of the mayor. Uh, we also need to break up the nepotic relationship between the mayor, the, the police department, and the district attorney. The reason why these 14 officers and former officers are indicted is because Maura Healy from the state, uh, the state attorney general, did an investigation and indicted them. When it was left up to the internal investigations department of the police department to investigate their own police officers and make a recommendation to the district attorney, of course, there was no recommendation to indict anyone. How do you go from no recommendation to indict anyone to an independent body deciding to indict 14 people? There's something wrong with that relationship. And so there needs to be independent review of the police department so the police are not policing the police. Um, I mean, I mean, that's just the reality of what we need here in our city. We need to have cultural competency. We need to have the fair representation of all people. We need to have the appropriate use of lethal force. Um, we need to look at the conflicting practices of law enforcement uh, with the guarantee that our first, our fourth, our fifth, our sixth amendment rights are upheld. Um, um, we need all of that within the police and we need, we need honest and candid conversation um, and the buildup of trust between the administration and the community. Otherwise, if you fail to establish real civilian review, if you fail to be credible, if you fail to be honest with the community, if you have a police commissioner who is a Brady cop who lied on a police report, who then reinstated five officers who are under criminal indictment for lying on a police report, and then you want to foster trust with the community, how does that work? That cannot work. It, it, you know, it, it, it's not tenable. Um, and so we need some serious, drastic change. We need a human relations commission that can look at all of the elements that exist in Springfield that could lead to us becoming a Ferguson, a Baltimore, a Minneapolis, and that can recommend proactive steps to make sure we aren't the ones that are on the front page of the news across the nation or on CNN because we blew up because of an incident that happened here in our city. And, and the answers that the administration is given we got C3, we got this, we do violence prevention, we do that. Basically what they're telling us is, yeah, we hear what you're saying, but we're not going to move on it. We're not going to do any action on it because we've already got all the answers and what we're doing is already perfect. And so we're just going to sit down and placate you and play with you and not really listen to you. And that is what we do not need in our city. And so, you know, about eight minutes left, um, I didn't mean to hold you this long, but y'all hold on for eight more minutes. Uh, for those who've been, trying to, who've been trying to get in on the conversation, um, I'll take your calls until the show close. But anybody else, feel free to jump in. 
And y'all know I'm a preacher, so I can, you know, I can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 are, what are our next steps? Where, where do we go from here? We, we know the mayor's not going to listen. We know they're going to, you know, they're going to give us smoke and mirrors. What, what do we do and how do we engage those members of the community that are watching us right now, uh, wanting to know exactly how they can get involved uh, in these particular efforts? We'll take we'll take this call and then we'll we'll answer that question. Good evening, caller. Hello. Um, I was joining on the round table talk and I had left a comment underneath um, on the discussion of voting. And uh, I really feel like um, voting. If someone can really like put it in its simplest form for a lot of people, what each role is, who's looking to fill each role. Um, you know, what are their views? How do they help the city? I think that will help because people are not confident when they go, when it's time to vote. Yeah. People may not know who they're voting for. So, you, um, so you look at, you're looking for voter education. What What's the report card on this person? Where do they stand on the issues of concern for my community? Correct. Uh, yeah. Because, what what about know, so this that question? Way when it's time, yeah. you're, you're confident in your decision. And when you see people outside and they're welcoming you to come inside and vote, it's a no-brainer because you know who you're voting for, you know, um, and you're confident in what you're going to put on your ballot. But if you're a person that is not a normal voter or not a person that has voted, it's, it can be very, it can give you anxiety, if I'm just being honest. You know, and when you look at Mayor Sarno, he's just a familiar face at this point. He's probably, I think he's been our mayor for like the last 10 years. So, you know, you would just go with who you kind of like see around. Yeah. And if you're looking at a ballot and you're looking at names, now you're sitting here thinking like, well, I don't know that person. You know what I mean? And then you're kind of just going with what you know. So I think if we're looking for any particular change, we need to educate ourselves or there needs to be some type of central location, maybe using social media as a tool to help people understand what's going on and how it's going to affect them going forward. Because when you're 18 and you're voting, yeah. you really don't know what you're voting for and it's not going to affect you until you begin to get further into adulthood and you're a homeowner or you're a business owner. Now things are a little bit different, but you still don't have a clear understanding of what is going on. Great point. Thank you so much. Appreciate your call. Bishop, can you let Councillor Gomez back in? He he fell Ooh. off the call. He's in the he's backstage in the waiting room. He, he backstage. Yeah. Oh, he's backstage. <laughs> get him back in. Come on in, man. Um, I kind of wanted to address what the caller said. Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting conversation. <laughs> you're absolutely right. We need um, as much voter education as we can get. I can say that when it is election season, there are so many opportunities for the community to come out and hear um, from the ones that show up. And I'm going to say everyone on this call, this um, platform shows up and then you can hear about what our platforms are. Um, I think it's that the information isn't broadly shared or people don't show up or they may have another job or another obligation that prevents them from um, going to these conversations. But I do like your idea of having a central location where you could click on a person 
and, and, and figure out their platform or hear them speak or um, a central location on Facebook where we can say, okay, make sure you go to one of these five events to hear from the city council or the mayor um, or whoever's running at the time. And you can also find out the roles of each, um, of each position. That can also be found on mass.gov. Um, if you want to do your own research, you can go to math.gov and find out what each position is responsible for. But it's a little tedious um, if you don't know how to search for um, legislation and, and that type of information. But I do like the idea of having a central platform. And um, just to like end on that comment, um, Victoria Rallone, I see your comments. And I think that that is a great first step. She says she's going to take it upon herself to get involved and get more community members involved. And I think if we all look to ourselves to get involved and learn and then pull like five people in, we'll be a force to reckon with because look well, how many of us are that's, on that's, that's our new initiative. We call it hashtag collect your cousins. Get them all involved. Collect them. And bring them all to the polls with you. Good that's evening, right. Zyda. Zyda, you're on the air. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you so much, Bishop, for doing this. Um, I agree with Tracy, that the earlier round table was not for the community. It was, it was just a show. A show. Um, so, you know, you're talking about recommendations. All of these ideas are great, and I think that um, we could really make a difference. If, first of all, and I keep saying it, you know, every single person, your cousin in them needs to vote in every single election. Um mm -hmm. Because it, it, you know, they have consequences. So one of the things that I actually was just thinking about was, um, you know, we talk about the police force and recruitment, right? We all know um, from history that the recruitment process is biased, and I wrote it in one of my comments. Um, and it's biased towards white people. So I have a friend that actually was a black woman, and her son, a black son just got into the police academy and I asked him, I said, how many people, you know, joined the police academy when you were, when you first started, there was like 300 people that joined with him. And by the end of the time, I think there were 22 cadets left. You know what I mean? So something happens between the time they apply and the time they finish that they drop out for some reason. So something is wrong with that. You know, if that, that happens. And then, first of all, just even applying, right? So if you have a criminal record, you can't apply to be a police officer. So we have these police officers that have been in our schools for the last 10 years, at least, I think, who have been charging our children, black and brown kids, with criminal charges. So now they have a criminal record in middle school, and when they get 18, they can't apply to be a police officer. You know, so something is wrong with that. We've talked about getting police officers out of our schools. We've talked about, you know... Um, I've talked about allocating, they get a million dollars, the police department does, from our school budget to have police officers in our schools, to brutalize our children in our schools, to not, you know, do what, what our children need. Um, we take that million dollars and we allocate it for uh, parents, for, you know, teacher support, for children, for the services, for our youth, and we would have a better school system. You know, so those are my recommendations that we need to present to um to the mayor on top of all, all of the ones that you all made. And I agree that, you know, this council is a wonderful council. It has done a lot of great work, and I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for your call. All right. Let's have some closing remarks. I don't want to hold you all all night. 
Um, but next steps, next steps, closing remarks, and, and what are our next steps? Let's start with you, Tara. Well, I mean, you know, I, I actually think that we should invite the mayor and the commissioner out to another digital town hall. I think we got to give them another opportunity to make a decision about what we want to face the city. Um, you know, that we all have, you know, very concrete proposals uh, that would make a huge difference in terms of, you know, repairing the broken relationship that exists between the community and the police department. So, you know, I, I say let's let's invite them back and and let's see if they show up, because at the end of the day, I mean, you know, we're here tonight to talk about real change that needs to happen in our city. And, and all we want to do is talk with those who are supposed to represent all of us. So I think we should invite them back for a real conversation. All right. Uh, Councillor Davila, what are, what are our next steps? Uh, thank you, Bishop. Uh, thank you for doing this roundtable. Uh, uh, it was a very good discussion. I'm pretty impressed with the quality and the participation from the callers, and, and thank you for that. Uh, I agree with Tara. It would seem to me that the next logical step would be to invite the mayor. And I will have an expectation of him to agree to this roundtable uh, because these are real times when the real change. So I think we need to start with that, um, to re-invite him again to a roundtable, um, and then we take it from there and see what happens. All right. All right. Councillor Whitfield, next step. Um, I'm done inviting the mayor. Um, I, I'm done. Uh, we've tried. We've tried to have personal conversations with the mayor. We've tried to invite him to real community conversations, to real roundtables. We never exclude him from anything that we're ever doing. And, and that part is over for me. Um, I'm ready to strategize and get more people registered to vote, um, to organize our folks to vote for particular people, particular individuals who we want to see in office who's going to make real change for all people. Um, I, I don't want to talk anymore. Um, I'll be there if you guys put on another discussion, but um, just to hear the, I was going to say something real inappropriate, just to hear what everyone has to say. But um, it's time for us to organize and mobilize. We got to move. We got to move to get people to vote. Um, he's in office for another three years. And if we don't move now, we're going to be in the same position three years from now. Um, so if people really want to get him out, let's get an organizing team together to really get people registered, to really get people organized. And let's figure out who we're going to select as the next candidate. We don't, we don't need anybody to tell us who that next candidate is going to be. We select them. We find the person with the best qualification, and that's for every position. And I'm not just talking about the mayor seat. I'm talking about city council seat that may become vacant. I'm talking about on the state level. We need our people out there representing us. We need people, um, not only people of color, but people from Western Massachusetts that's really going to do the work and represent us. So let's really start strategizing on those type of movements and stop having conversations with the mayor because they're not getting us anywhere but back here at a round table after the round table, upset again because we knew what was going to happen. I don't want to do that anymore. Councilor Goldman. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I feel I feel empowered. Thank you so much. Well, next steps are to, one, 
Uh, I challenge everybody to become or a partner or an ally of the NAACP. Secondly, please reach out to Pioneer Valley Project. Please reach out to social organizations that have been in the fight, like Arise for Social Justice, Neighbor to Neighbor. And if, like me, you know, and our other colleagues that are not on this call that feel the same way as we do, you know, we challenge you guys to get involved with, you know, keeping us, people like us in office. So if you guys have any questions, want to get involved, Please, my email, my municipal email is agomez at springfieldcityhall.com. Via Facebook, you can look me up at Adam Gomez Sr. Or you can hit me up at electadamgomez.com if you really want to get down and dirty and really get on the grassroots level and kill those doors. Please become part of Team Us. And that's what I'm, uh, that's what I'm promoting. Team Us. This is a collective majority. We are not minorities. This is our city. And it is time for us to take back the streets. End the story. All right. I don't know what you said. I believe I think we need to expand the conversation. I think you need to continue to have these roundtables because they obviously are very productive. Uh, we get to hear from um, you know the general uh the general public who clearly the mayor was not able to hear from and i think that's fruitful i think it helps us uh guide our decision making i think in addition in addition we need to reach out to those individuals who are not present uh today uh whether it's the mayor whether it's other counselors who don't look like us uh to be present and to have these difficult conversations because they are difficult conversations and we need to have them and and my colleagues need to understand that uh, we respect and value uh, their opinion on these issues, and we need them to be at the forefront. Uh, I, especially when we're advocating for justice. So uh, I appreciate your efforts. Time uh, end up when it's to be complacent. It's easy to be silent. I appreciate you. All right. Thank you, counsel. Thank you to all of you listening to the community. Um, stay stay tuned in. Stay plugged in um, for the NAACP Pioneer Valley Project, what's happening with our uh, city counselors and uh, just your community organizations all throughout the community that are trying to do good work to move our city forward. Change starts with you. It starts with our young people. It starts with you. Uh, it starts with the community. And together, uh, we can hold the powers that be accountable and make Springfield a better place to live, work, and play. Listen, uh, check me out on my live on Thursday night at 10 p.m. I do a late one on Thursday. Some of y'all be hanging with me. But Thursday night at 10 p.m., I want to thank all of you guys for coming in with me. And to the audience, to the next time I talk to you and you talk to me, always remember God loves you, and so do I. Good night. Good night. Buenas noches.